Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano finally releases his statement on the motu proprio of Pope Francis, Traditionis Custodes, with his own document, Lapides Clamabunt, the stones cry out. We'll see why that is. You know, this is sort of like when it's 4th of July and you've got a bunch of fireworks. You always save your big firework for the end and you light it and it's a slow fuse. You're like, is it coming? Is the boom coming? That's how this has been. I've been waiting for Archbishop Vigano. He did release the endorsed article, which I covered last week. But this week is Archbishop Vigano in his own words. And the fuse has been burning. And today, boom. And part of the boom is the thoughts of Pope, I mean, the thoughts of Vigano on Pope Francis. If you, like me, who have been reading, following, studying everything that Vigano's put out, you're kind of at the end of every one. Archbishop Vigano, tell us what you really believe about Pope Francis. What's your, what's your conviction about Pope Francis? And today, maybe it's not the ultimate, but he does tell us what he thinks. And he uses, I, for the first time that I know of, Archbishop Vigano uses the phrase, a non-Catholic pope. And can that even exist? What does this mean? So today, I'm going to go through this document. Now, this document is 11 pages typed. He also released a video version of it. I have that version. It came over the weekend. I wasn't able to prepare it because of summer stuff and family stuff. CFN, Catholic Family News, has prepared it and put it up. I'll probably put it up on my channel too, maybe tomorrow, so you can watch uh, Archbishop Vigano actually say these things in his own words. But today, I'm going to go through this 11-page document, and I'm going to give you the choice portions, in a way, some of the explosive portions, and then encourage you to read it yourself or to listen to it. Okay, so let's get started, and we will begin by praying the Our Father, and then we'll jump into it. Oremos. In nomine Patris, et Filii, et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Pater Noster, qui es in Celi, sanctificetur nomen Tuum, adveniat regnum Tuum, fiat voluntas Tua, secut in Cielo et in Terra. Panam Nostrum quotidianum da nobis odie, et emite nobis debita Nostra, sicut et nos dimitimus debitoribus Nostris, et nenos inducas in tentationem, se libra nos amalo. Amen. Nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. All right, as usual, when we as we begin here, please like this video with the thumbs up. And please, the most important thing you can do is share this video. Share it on Facebook, Twitter. You are the algorithm. YouTube doesn't help traditional Catholic videos. So please share this with your family and friends on social media. And if you're new, please subscribe by hitting the subscribe button and the little dinghy bell that will notify you of future live videos. And speaking of Latin and future videos, I will be putting out all next week, as you've asked, several videos. Why pray the rosary in Latin? How to pray the rosary in Latin? Probably a video on what about the luminous mysteries? Uh, what else do we have planned? Oh, 
which Fatima prayer in Latin is the best one and the proper one. And then I'll be releasing the 15 mysteries of the rosary prayed in Latin with beautiful art on the screen. That all should be coming out, God willing, next week. So if you want to get that, make sure you subscribe and you'll get it. And of course, if you're a patron, you'll also get it directly, maybe ahead of everyone else. To find out more and get great stuff, go to patreon.com forward slash DR Taylor Marshall. Okay, let's jump into it. It is August 2nd. As you can tell, I'm a little, I'm perspiring a little bit because I just got back from the gym and I'm in my office and it's a hundred something degrees in Texas and uh, my air conditioning is falling behind. So I'm a little hot here. Okay, we'll make it. This recent document just came out again, as if you're just joining us, Archbishop Vigano released a video of him giving this presentation and uh, Catholic Family News has already posted it. I'll post it on my channel tomorrow. He sent it to me directly uh, and also this text. And um, it's pretty interesting. I, I read through it and then I read through the choice parts and I noticed several themes and I'm going to place on the screen the control F version of the document. Now, some people say, oh, Marshall, he's so he's so silly. He does these control F searches um, for word density. It, it, it doesn't prove anything, but I think for someone who's looking at the document saying what what topics and what emphasis is Vigano giving in this document, I think it actually is helpful. So I'm going to place these on the screen if they'll come up. Here we go. Good. Come on. Here we go. Is this going to work? That's not so great. Oh. All right. It'll just be over my face. I don't know why it's doing this. So he uses the word mass 27 times. Now, this is Vigano talking about the motu proprio of Pope Francis. And, of course, he's going to be talking about the mass. Now, he refers to Novus Ordo eight times, the Montinian mass five times. And I've been noticing him use that more. And I've also been noticing commentators using it more. Mon Cardinal Montini is Paul VI, Pope Paul VI. And uh, he's he's the one who, in a way, was overseeing the design of the Novus Ordo Mass, and he um, implemented and published it in 1969, making it public in 1970. So he's using the term Montinian Mass. For traditional Mass, he's using the term Tridentine Mass eight times, traditional Mass seven times, Mass of St. Pius V four times, Mass of all time, two time. I've seen him, historically, he likes the use of the word mass of all time or mass of the ages. Um, so it's kind of interesting to see a little bit of a shift there. And then other topics, he, he says, he mentions Pope Francis 22 times, but he uses Bergoglio 11 times and Francis 11 times. Bishops 11 times. He mentions the actual motu proprio, tra traditionis custodis, six times. The motu proprio, six times. Bennett sixteenth four times. The Society of St. Pius X four times, Latin three times, and Archbishop Lefebvre two times. There is a quick snapshot. Now, he refers to this uh, document that he's put out as the stones cry out. And he's referring to Luke's gospel where he says, I say to you that if these are silent, the stones will cry out. And as we get to the end of his document, we see what Archbishop Vigano means because he's referring to, it's genius, it's genius. 
the stone altars of the traditional Latin Mass. You'll remember in the 50s, it became all popular to say, well, the early church, they just had dinner tables. And uh, they just push a dinner table into the middle of the room and they'd, they'd grab some bread and they'd grab a jug of wine and some clay cups and they would just have Eucharistic liturgy. That's how it was. And so the magnificent stone altars, the marble altars were neglected and they put Luther tables, wooden Luther tables in the nave or at the transept and they would celebrate the Eucharistic liturgy. Not, they didn't like to call it the Holy Sacrifice, the Mass. The trendy people called it Eucharistic liturgy. They would celebrate it facing the people over a wooden table. And what's interesting is Vigano says, just as quoting Christ, if these are silent, the stones will call out. He's talking about the stone altars in the churches and in the chapels and in the side altars. They're all crying out for tradition. They have been neglected. Beautiful. There's the opening paragraph, which I'm not going to read. It's just sort of a introduction. We all know what happened. We know that Pope Francis introduces Moto Proprio, which basically undid the Moto Proprio Sumorum Pontificum of Benedict XVI. So Archbishop Vigano addresses that, states it, he quotes Tacitus, by the way, in Latin, they make a wasteland and call it peace, referring to Francis and his, his people, the ones behind this. Now, the first section of this 11-page document by Archbishop Vigano begins with the title, The Modus Operandi of Francis, The Mode of Operation. How is it that Francis works? The opening line is this, and I quote, Francis has once again disavowed the pious illusion of the hermeneutic of continuity, stating that the coexistence of the Vetus and the Novus Ordo, in Latin that's the Old Ordo, the Latin Mass, and the New Order, the New Mass, is impossible because they are expressions of two irreconcilable doctrinal and ecclesiological approaches. On the one hand, there is the Apostolic Mass, the voice of the Church of Christ. On the other hand, there is the Montinian Eucharistic celebration, the voice of the Conciliar Church. Now, I'm going to pause here. If you're new to Archbishop Vigano, you need to know that Archbishop Vigano often speaks of two churches. Now, there's only one true church, the one holy Catholic and Apostolic Church, which is the mystical body of Christ. However, he often refers to the deep church, the conciliar church, and these other apings, copies, mockeries of the true church, which are trying to introduce a new form of Christianity, a modernized Christianity, an updated Christianity that is not the same as the Christianity of the Twelve Apostles, of the Church Fathers, like St. Athanasius, St. Jerome, uh, St. Ambrose, St. Augustine, the great scholastic doctors of the Church, St. Bonaventure, St. Thomas Aquinas, Bernard Clairvaux, and the great popes, more recently, Pius V, Pius X, etc. 
And of course, this is also the thesis, some say the conspiracy of my own book, Infiltration, that going back into the first half of the 1800s, that there were infiltrators who had a long game of 100 to 200 years to fundamentally destroy Catholicism, not on the outside attacking it like at the French Revolution, but on the inside by infiltrating and subverting it. My thesis is that began in the 1800s. Pius X fought it hard. And then under the pontificate of Benedict XV and on up through even under Pius XII in the 50s and then sort of parading it into the public in the 1960s during and then after Vatican II, we saw sort of the coming out party of modernism. Now, Viganò goes on to say, and this is not an accusation, however legitimate, made by those who express reservations about the Reformed right in Vatican II. Rather, it is an admission, indeed, a proud affirmation of ideological adherence on the part of Francis himself, the head of the most extremist faction of progressivism. End quote. Francis here is saying that the modernists, the progressivists, have just done a self-own. Previously, there was this sort of coexistence hermeneutic or hermeneutic of continuity that, you know, we could have the traditional Latin mass and the Novus Ordo, and they could just sort of exist as friends holding hands. That was the consensus of Sumorum Pontificum, Pope Benedict XVI. It also sort of assumed a hermeneutic of continuity that we can make Tridentine, traditional Catholicism, and Vatican II conciliar Catholicism, we can, we can fit them together and make the whole thing work. And as you know, if you followed me for a long time, I used to be one of those people. If you listen to my podcast or read the things I wrote at taylormarshall.com in maybe 2000, I mean, I've been attending the Latin Mass since 2010. So really from 2010 till about 2016, maybe 2000, actually 15, I was one who was like, you know, we can make this work. I know Vatican II says that, but if you read it in Latin and then you interpret it this way and then you take this quote by this guy and you put it all together, we can make it sound orthodox. What Francis has done, and Vigano actually is saying, way to go, thanks for admitting it, is the hermeneutic of continuity has been smashed. Francis is saying there can't be a coexistence with the traditional Latin Mass and the Novus Ordo. He even says that the Novus Ordo is the unique, the unique form of the Roman Rite. That's the very first part of his new motu proprio. Vigano goes on to say his, Francis, his dual role as Pope and liquidator of the Catholic Church allows him on the one hand to demolish it with decrees and acts of governance, and on the other hand, to use the prestige that his office entails to establish and spread the new religion over the rubble of the old one, end quote. Here, Archbishop Vigano is accusing Francis of being the liquidator of the Catholic Church. In other words, the Catholic Church has this deposit of faith these traditions, these liturgies, these dogmas, and these moralities. 
And he's saying Francis is liquidating. He's selling it off in parcels to the world in order to do what? Vigano accuses Pope Francis of spreading a new religion. A new religion. Skipping down just to the next paragraph, Archbishop Vigano, now we're getting into some really heavy stuff. If, if you think it's gotten deep now, it's going to get real deep. The next paragraph, Archbishop Vigano. After years of this pontificate, we have all understood that the reasons given by Bergoglio for declining a meeting with the prelate, he's talking about Cardinal Burke here, a politician or conservative intellectual do not apply to the molester cardinal. Who's he talking about here? McCarrick. The her heretic bishop, who's he talking about here? A lot of them. I couldn't name them all. The abortionist politician, he's talking about Biden. Or the globalist intellectual. We saw him at the Davos people here. In short, Vigano says, there is a blatant difference in behavior from which one can grasp the partiality and partisanship of Francis in favor of any ide ideology, any thought, project, scientific, artistic, or literary expression that is not Catholic. End quote. So he's saying Francis will meet with anyone abortionists, globalists, heretics, molesters, pedophiles. But he won't meet with a conservative prelate like Cardinal Zen or Cardinal Burke. I did a show, I did two shows last week, one on double standards, and then Father Altman joined me and we talked about double standards against the clergy, against the priesthood. There is a double standard that is so obvious in the pontificate of Pope Francis. It is so obvious. No one can deny the double standards that exist. The fact that right now, today, I know for a fact, Father Altman is packing up his belongings and the belongings of his 90-something-year-old parents to move out of the rectory where he is pastor. Meanwhile, James Martin has no restrictions, no sanctions, no censures, nothing on him. Monsignor Grinder, Monsignor Burrow, in the same diocese, Lacrosse, who was busted for using Grinder, the app to arrange hookups between men. We'll just call it that. He's in the same diocese as Altman. There's been no announcement of any restrictions or any discipline against him. Using the app almost daily for two years. This is a double standard. Archbishop Vigano says anything that even only vaguely evokes anything Catholic seems to arouse in the tenant of Santa Marta, who's the tenant of Santa Marta, Pope Francis, an aversion that is disconcerting to say the least, if only in virtue of the throne on which he is seated. All right, now here, I'm reading the document I use highlighter. This part that I'm about to read, I highlighted in red because it's one of two or three explosive portions in Archbishop Vigano's statement. Like I mentioned in the beginning, it's 4th of July. You got the big firework, the one that goes boom. You light the fuse. And you're like, it's kind of going slow. Did I light the fuse? Should I light it again? And then it goes boom. It goes off. Here it is. Quote, 
Archbishop Vigano. Many have noted this disassociation, this sort of bipolarity of a pope who does not behave like a pope and does not speak like a pope. The problem is that we are not faced with the sort of inaction from the papacy, as could happen with a sick or very old pontiff, but rather with a constant action that is organized and planned in a sense diametrically opposed to, to the very essence of the papacy. So Archbishop Vigano is saying, you know, you think back to maybe John Paul II, he had Parkinson's, he was old, you know, and some bad things happened, you know, in those later years of John Paul II, bad appointments, bad cardinals, bad archbishops. You could say, look, he, he you know, he was sick, he was old, he was maybe you could even say senile. Um, his youthful judgment was not there, so culpabilities were re reduced. Here, Vigano is saying, we don't have inaction from a sick or old pontiff. He says we have constant action. That's what Vigano says, constant action that is organized and planned in a sense diametrically opposed to the very essence of the papacy. He's saying we have a man, Francis, saying I'm the pope who is actively on a daily schedule working against the essence of the papacy. That's what Vigano is saying. Vigano then says, not only does Bergoglio not condemn the errors of the present time by strongly reaffirming the truth of the Catholic faith, he has never done this, but he actively seeks to disseminate these errors, to promote them, to encourage their supporters, to spread them to the greatest possible extent, and to host events promoting them in the Vatican, simultaneously silencing those who denounce these same errors, end quote. So it's not just that he accidentally signed the wrong piece of paper. He is actually inviting the enemies of the Catholic faith to meetings inside the Vatican and promoting their errors. You can think about this with recent meetings regarding the uh, the health, uh, what they call it, wasn't convention, but that was at the Vatican. The um, economic forum that was held at the Vatican with photo ops, with the Rothschilds and others, major corporation, billionaire corporations, corporations that have done things against humanity, not to mention the Chinese. And their inhumane agenda for their own people. Nothing ever said about the Uyghur people. The injustice there. Oh, we'll hear all day long about how conservatives in America are rigid and wrong and mean and bad and not Christian and wanting to build walls and push people out. But these globalists these billionaires owning corporations, these Chinese politicians basically harvesting people, nothing. They get seats at the Vatican. Vigano says, not only does he not punish fornicating prelates, but he even promotes and defends them by lying while he removes conservative bishops and does not hide his annoyance 
with the heartfelt appeals of cardinals not aligned with the new course. Not only does he not condemn abortionist politicians who proclaim themselves Catholic, but he intervenes to prevent the Episcopal Conference from pronouncing on this matter, contradicting that synodal path, which conversely allows him to use a minority of ultra-progressive to ultra-progressives to impose his will on the majority of the Synod Fathers, end quote. He's talking about United States of America. Even the conservative, middle-of-the-road bishops in America wanted to put out a statement about President Biden receiving communion and other public people receiving communion in a state of publicly and actively supporting and promoting teachings and actions that are contrary to the Catholic faith. For example, abortion. Biden is open in promoting it. What happened? Did Pope Francis sit back and say, you American bishops, I promote the synodal way. Talk amongst yourselves. I, the big Pope in Rome, I'm not going to put on my tiara and tell you to do. You guys talk amongst yourself and you make the decision. No, that's not what happened. Francis, just like with this motu proprio, told them, this is what you're going to do. You're not going to write anything regarding Biden. And he uses special puppet cardinals, Supich, Big Tobin, to enforce it and be the heavy. It, the very fact that Francis says, oh, I'm in the synodal conversation, accompaniment, dialogue. What he did with the U.S. bishops and Biden and what he's now done with the traditional Latin mass proves that it's hot air. It's all fake. He doesn't believe in it. He only believes in it when he's trying to shut down Catholic tradition and teaching. All right. Are y'all ready for the passage where Vigano refers to Francis as the non-Catholic Pope? Are y'all ready? If you're ready for it, you got to give a thumbs up right now. Give it the like. This is it. You know, we've been thinking, tell us what you really think about Francis. Vigano. Tell us what you really think. We want to know. Inquiring minds want to know. Here you go. Give it a like, everybody. Here we go. The one constant, this is Vigano. The one constant of this attitude, noted in its most brazen and arrogant form, in Traditionis Custodes, is duplicity and lies. A duplicity that is a facade, of course, daily disavowed by positions that are anything but prudent in favor of a very specific group, which, for the sake of brevity, we can identify with the ideological left. Indeed, with its most recent evolution in a globalist, ecologist, transhuman, and LGBT LMNOP key. Four groups. That, those four groups is what gets the favor of Francis. Cardinal Burt doesn't get to meet with the Pope, but James Martin does get to meet with the Pope, and James Martin is appointed to the Dicastery of Communications so that he's officially a spokesperson 
I didn't say spokesman. I said spokesperson for the Vatican. And he promotes his agenda. And by the way, yes, Bishop Barron did write an endorsement for Martin's latest book. Everybody out there that says, oh, Bishop Barron, yeah, he did good. He led people to church. Look, Bishop Barron is endorsing James Martin. Just accept it. Just accept it. That is the mainstream church. If you want to get promoted, if you're a bishop and you want to be an archbishop, or you want to be a cardinal, you're going to get on the train with the four groups that we just mentioned here. You're going to write an endorsement for James Martin. Look who wrote endorsements for James Martin before. Tobin, and I think Supage. Guess what? They have red hats on their head right now. They're cardinals. That's what you do. If you want to get a red cardinal hat, you write blurbs for James Martin. Bishop Barron's doing that. I know he says, oh, these toxic trads or whatever. Look, we just have to recognize it. Now, Archbishop Vigano. Here's the non-Catholic Pope part. Archbishop Vigano. We have come to the point, he says, we have come to the point that even simple people with little knowledge of doctrinal issues understand that we have a non-Catholic Pope, at least in the strict sense of the term. This poses some problems of a canonical nature that are not inconsiderable, which it is not up to us to solve, but which sooner or later will have to be addressed, end quote. Would y'all like me to put that on the screen? I would like to. If you please bear with me, I will put this quote on the screen. Archbishop Vigano. We have come to the point, he says, that even simple people with little knowledge of doctrinal issues, you know, we're, we're those people. We're the simple people. The little people. With little knowledge of doctrinal issues, understand that we have a non-Catholic Pope. A non-Catholic Pope. What does this even mean? He says, in the strictest sense of the term, this poses some problems of a canonical nature that are not inconsiderable, which it is not up to us to solve, but which sooner or later will have to be addressed. There are priests out there right now, when they celebrate the Mass, they do not say Francis's name. Many of them say the name Benedict. I'm not endorsing this. I'm just reporting it. Y'all know my position. My position as Francis is putatively the Pope. Until the Diocese of Rome, the Apostolic See, and the College of Cardinals, or a future Pope tells me so. If Cardinal Burke is telling me Francis is the Pope, I was at the conclave, it's all legit. As a layman who has no authority in the church, Having a YouTube channel means you still have no authority in the church, no magisterium, nothing. I'm a nobody. My opinion doesn't matter. Until that happens, I, every night, pray my rosary for the holy intentions of Pope Francis. The holy intentions, not all the intentions, the holy intentions, because he is putatively my Pope. With the errors with the scandals, financial and sexual, 
I often question, how can the charism of the papacy, the vicar of Christ, the Petrine ministry be attached to this man? I, I'll be honest. Y'all aren't surprised for me hearing that. And I've talked about it on many shows before, repeatedly, about how I'm reading Robert Bellarmine. You can tell I've been reading this book. It's highlighted. Even Bellarmine says, Now the fifth true opinion is that a pope who is a manifest heretic ceases in himself to be pope and head, just as he ceases in himself to be a Christian and member of the body of Christ, whereby he can be judged and punished by the church, end quote. Now if that's true, that means a heretical pope himself falls from the papacy. A lot of people would say, well, obviously that he's a manifest heretic, so he has to not be the pope. The difficulty is, then you have to pick up another Bellarmine book. This is Tome 2 on the church. And in Book 1, Chapter 9 of Tome 2, he says, The fourth reason is suspicion of heresy in the Roman pontiff. By the way, all these theologians and doctors of the church do entertain the idea that a pope could be infected by heresy. He says, the fourth reason is suspicion of heresy in the Roman pontiff, if perhaps it might happen, or if he were an incorrigible tyrant. For then a general council ought to be gathered either to depose the pope, if he should be found to be a heretic, or certainly to admonish him, if he seemed incorrigible in morals, as is related in the Eighth Council Act, so on and so forth. So it has to be declared by a council, by the church. It can't be bloggers. It can't be YouTubers. It can't be people on Twitter. There has to be an ecclesiastical declaration. But let's be honest. So many of us are wondering these questions. How can it be that I have in my notes 12 popes who defend the, not just the admissibility, but the morality and the justice of the death penalty. And then Francis says it's inadmissible. How can it be that England, the entire nation of England, except for one bishop and Thomas More and several lady, but all the bishops, they went into heresy and schism and started the Church of England under Henry VIII because Henry VIII wanted to maintain his status in the church as not excommunicated, but also have a side wife or divorce and remarried and have a new wife. And yet we're being told that it's the, it's the Episcopal, it's the bishop's custom in certain places like Malta and South America, based on Amoris Laetitia, that what was told to Henry VIII, you can't do. It's a mortal sin, you go to hell, and you're putting the whole nation in a schism. Now, in 2021, is not. How is this possible? Or that Henry VIII couldn't appoint bishops, but China can appoint bishops. These are problems. You, you don't have to be a deep theologian to realize there are problems. 
Now, what does this mean? What, is, what does Vigano mean? He says, look, it's not up for us to solve it. And I honestly think in some of the trad wars that go on online, you've got different groups. You've got your Novus Ordo conservative group. You've got your indult diocesan Latin mass. You got your FSSP, your Institute of Christ the King, your SSPX, and you got your set of contests who are like, we have epistemic knowledge that there is definitely no Pope, all this. I honestly think, if you listen to the gospel in the Latin mass yesterday, a certain amount of humility is required. I'm not so sure that any of us fully understand how we got into this mess. Yes, I wrote a book about it. Even still, I'm learning along the way. I know that something happened. I know that a disease happened. I know illness. I know discouragement. I know uh, confusion. I know lack of mass attendance happened and lack of ordinations happened. I know all that. But how... How exactly God allowed this and how exactly God's going to bring us out. I don't know. You don't know. No one on the internet knows. It is a mystery. As Vigano says, and Our Lady Lasselet and Bishop Schneider, there's an eclipse going on. How do we get out? I don't know. But it seems that a major part of the problem right now is that you can be globalist, uh, eco-theology, you could be uh, writing blurbs all day for James Martin, you could be doing all of this stuff and you're going to get rah, 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 thumbs up likes from the Pope. And you say, I'd like to go to traditional Latin Mass and it's boom, no, bad, bad dog. So this to me was the most explosive statement in the document right here. He says, Simple people with little knowledge of doctrinal issues understand that we have a non-Catholic Pope. I don't understand how we can have a non-Catholic Pope. Do you? Do you understand? It's a mystery. It's messed up. All right, moving along here. Uh, in the next section, he talks about ideological extremism. And he says that the new motu proprio Francis is ideological extremism. He says, quote, an extremism that is deplored in words when it concerns others, but which shows, it, shows itself in its most violent and ruthless expression when it is he himself who puts it into practice against clergy and lady connected to the ancient rite and faithful to sacred tradition. He then says, quote, towards the society of St. Pius X, he shows himself willing to make concessions and to establish a relationship as, quote, good neighbors. But towards the poor priests and faithful who have to endure a thousand humiliations and blackmail in order to beg for a mass in Latin, he shows no understanding and no humanity. He says, he explains, the behavior is not accidental. Archbishop Lefebvre's movement enjoys its own autonomy and economic independence. He's talking about SSPX. And for this reason, it has no reason to fear retaliation or commissioners from the Holy See. But the bishops, priests, and clerics incarnated in dioceses or religious orders know that hanging over them is the sword of Damocles, of removal from office, dismissal from the ecclesiastical state, and the deprivation of the very means of subsistence. End quote. 
Now, people have often noticed that how come Pope Francis is so nice to the Society of St. Pius X? In 2015, he says, I'm giving y'all universal, direct, and immediate faculties to hear confessions. For a priest to hear a person's confession, he has to have jurisdiction over them because he's making a judgment and an absolution. You have to have jurisdiction. 2015, he got it. The year of mercy was over in 2016. They said, hey, do we still have that super jurisdiction that you gave us? Francis says, yes. SSPX, you guys got it. Since then, he said, hey, if you want to get married in an SSPX church by an SSPX priest at an SSPX altar, you can do that as well. You have to work it out with the local bishop. But I've heard it's been done all over the United States. I don't know about the rest of the world. He's been very generous on that. He's invited Bishop Fillet to Rome. Oddly enough, Francis is more tolerant and free with the SSPX than Benedict, who was more sympathetic, ever was. Why is this? Well, this goes back to my thesis on corralling. Down here in Texas, we got a word called corral. You ever heard of the OK corral? A corral is where you lead the animals. You corral them into the corral. And once they're in the corral, you close the gate. And when you close the gate, you can slaughter them. You can brand them. That's what the corral's for. Now, Pope Francis is going to take all y'all trads. He's going to corral y'all into the corral. Now, the corral may say SSPX or something else. Y'all all going in the corral, close the gate, and say, adios. See you at the next ecumenical meeting with the Eastern Orthodox. And that's how it's going to go, my friends. Now, I believe Jesus is the good shepherd. He is ultimately in charge of all the animals and the corral. And I think they're going to try to push us all together. And yes, there's some infighting in the traditional movement. There's going to be some nipping at each other, maybe some kicking and elbowing. But I believe as we are pushed together, that I know there are real issues that separate some of us. But on 99%, when it comes to the Catechism of Trent, the Council of Trent, Vatican I, the traditional Latin Mass, Holy Week, what else? Contraception, big families, pro-life, the infallibility and inerrancy of Scripture, the Church Fathers, on all these things, we are in lockstep and we agree on all these things. Do we disagree on things like supply jurisdiction, the manner by which we recognize and resist the Pope? Yes. The manner by which we slice and dice and understand Vatican II? Yes, there are real disagreements there. But when it comes to the faith, and to the morality, we agree. We're going to be pushed together. We're going to be corralled together. And I hope and pray that our sins don't overcome us, but that Jesus will provide, he'll open the Red Sea and provide a way to restore the church and restore the faith and restore the liturgy. 
That's what I hope. That's what I hope. As we'll see at the end of this document, the stones, the altars cry out loud for this restoration. Just as the blood from the earth when Cain killed Abel cried out for justice to God, the stones are calling out. Next section is called the experience of the Tridentine Mass and priestly life. He says, those who have the opportunity to follow my speeches and declarations know well what my position is on the council and the Novus Ordo. But they also know that my background is, oh, they know what my background is, my curriculum in the service of the Holy See and my relatively recent awareness of the apostasy and crisis which we find ourselves. For this reason, Vigano says, I would like to reiterate my understanding for the spiritual path of those who precisely because of the situation cannot or are not yet able to make a radical choice, such as celebrating or attending exclusively the Mass of St. Pius V, the traditional Latin Mass. Many priests, he says, discover the treasures of the Venerable Tridentine Liturgy only when they celebrate it and allow themselves to be permeated by it, and it is not uncommon, un uncommon for an initial curiosity towards the extraordinary form, he puts in scare quotes, certainly fascinating due to the solemnity of the rite, to change quickly into the awareness of the depths of the words, the clarity of the doctrine, the incomparable spirituality that it gives birth to and nourishes in the soul. This is exactly what Father Altman said last week. As he began celebrating the traditional Latin Mass, it began to change him, began to change his theology. He became more traditional. This is the shift. Now he goes on and he talks about more about liturgy and Dom Garanger, and he talks about the uh, liturgy of the hours, the breviary, matins, the martyrology, prime. I, I don't want to go into all that because our time is limited, but I do encourage you to read it. But then he says, it is evident that only those who have not celebrated the Mass of St. Pius V can consider it as annoying tinsel of the past, which can be done without. Many young priests, accustomed to the Novus Ordo since their adolescence, have understood that the two forms of the rite have nothing in common. A little bit below, he says, This is why I find it extremely unpleasant to have to read Traditionis Custodis that the reason why Francis believes the motu proprio sumorum pontificum was promulgated 14 years ago lay only in the desire to heal the so-called schism of Archbishop Lefebvre. He dropped in a so-called there. And I actually agree with Bigano here. Of course, the political calculation may have had its weight, especially at the time of John Paul II. Even at that time, the faithful of the Society of St. Pius X were few in number. But the request to be able to restore citizenship to the Mass, which for two millennia nourished the holiness of the faithful and gave the sap of life to Christian civilization, cannot be reduced to a contingent fact. With this motu proprio, Bennett XVI restored the Roman Apostolic Mass to the Church, declaring that it had never been abolished. Indirectly, Benedict admitted that there was an abuse by Paul VI, and in order to give authority to his right, he ruthlessly forbade the celebration of the traditional liturgy. That's actually true. There is an interesting, uh, I'm going to do a video on this, so make sure you subscribe, on the Agatha Christie Indult. My wife and daughters love Agatha Christie novels. I think I've read one. 
but Agatha Christie and a bunch of other intellectuals in 1971 allowed for the very first indult of the traditional Latin mass. It was actually the 65-67 missile. We'll go into that another time. Then Vigano says, in all honesty, one can perchance accuse the Society of St. Pius X of this instrumental use, which has every right to affirm that each what each of us knows well, that the mass of St. Pius V is incompatible with post-conciliar ecclesiology and doctrine. But the society is not affected by the mono proprio and is always celebrating using the 1962 missile precisely by virtue of the inalienable, inalienable right which Bennett XVI recognized, which was not created ex nihilo in 2007. He says, and what is even more absurd is that while we hear it said with impunity that the Tridentine Mass ought to be abolished because it is incompatible with the ecclesiology of Vatican II, as soon as we say the same thing, that the Montinian Mass, the Novus Ordo, is incompatible with traditional Catholic ecclesiology, we are immediately made the object of condemnation and our affirmation is used as evidence against us before the revolutionary tribunal of Santa Marta. He's talking about where Pope Francis lives. The inconsistencies are deep. They don't want to hear a traditionalist say, well, the old mass is better than the new mass, or the old mass is true to Catholic tradition and the new mass is Protestant. They don't want ever anyone to say that. But they, on the reverse side of the table, can say, well, the traditional Mass is bad. It needed to be updated. It's not with the times. It doesn't reflect the new ecclesiology and, and um, liturgy and theology that Vatican II updated, on and on and on. Again, we're back to double standards. Let's just put the phrase double standard in our vocabulary whenever we talk about anything that's happened since 1960. Now, he referred here to the instrumental use of the missile, and this, I think, is something that liberals are accusing traditionalists of. They're saying, and I heard a bishop once tell me this, the problem with the Latin Mass is it's used by crazy people as a wrecking ball. So it's not that they're, they're saying it's not that you actually love to worship God and glorify God and adore God in the traditional liturgy of the Roman Rite. Y'all are just a bunch of jerks. And this is the easy wrecking ball for you to destroy things. I would say in response, who destroyed stuff in 1970? Who destroyed the marble altars? Who destroyed the altar rails? Who pulled the relics out of the churches? Who ripped the statues out of the churches? And worst of all, who destroyed the faith of people in 1970 all the way up, year by year, attendance falling, vocations falling, baptisms falling, Catholic marriages falling? Who did that destruction? And what wrecking ball did you did y'all use? You used the liturgy. You shove the Novus Ordo down people's throat. People are saying, oh no, there's one traditional Latin Mass at our parish. It's isolating people. What do you think people felt in 1970? What do you think when people went to the traditional Latin Mass and then the next week they showed up and there was a nun in a pantsuit or in a miniskirt with no veil on, strumming her guitar like Sound of Music? 
and father was doing Johnny Carson up on the altar. Well, how about those people? Many people never went back in 1970. It blew their mind open. Vigano says, he's referring to the before and after the council. He says, the before and after, instead of, instead become an obsession, both for those who prudently insinuated doctrinal errors behind equivocal expressions, as well as those who, with the boldness of those who believe that they have won, propagated Vatican II as the 1789 of the church, the French Revolution, as prophetic, as revolutionary. Before Sumorum Pontificum in 2007, in response to the spread of the traditional right, a well-known pontifical masters of ceremony replied peakedly, there is no going back. That's what they want. They want to wall off the traditional Latin mass. And that's why Francis said anyone ordained after this date can't say the TLM without getting a super faculty, not from his bishop, but from Rome. And then Vigano says, Francis's admission of an alleged division between faithful linked to the Tridentine liturgy and those who are largely out of habit or resignation have adapted the Reformed liturgy is revealing. He does not seek to heal this division by recognizing full rights to a right that is objectively better than the Montinian right, Novus Ordo, but precisely in order to prevent the ontological superiority of the mass of Pius V from becoming evident and to prevent the criticisms of the Reformed Rite and the doctrine expresses from emerging, he prohibits it. He labels it divisive. He confines it to Indian reservations, trying to limit its diffusion as much as possible so that it will disappear completely in the name of cancel culture of which the conciliar revolution was the unfortunate forerunner. Cancel culture applied to the traditional Latin mass. How sad that we have come to this. Cancel culture. At the very end, he says, with the ab uh, abolition of Sumorum Pontificum, we find ourselves taken back 20 years. This unhappy decision by Bergoglio to cancel the motu proprio of Benedict XVI is doomed, doomed to inexorable failure because it touches the very soul of the church of which our Lord himself is pontiff and high priest. Secondly, he says, the people of God have well understood the subversive nature of traditionis custodis and are instinctively led to want to get to know something that arouses such disapproval amongst progressiveness. Think about it. Pope Francis loves James Martin. He loves Pachamama. He loves globalists. He loves masks. He loves all these things. He loves vaccines. He loves all these things, okay? But he doesn't like the traditional Latin mass. So if you're not on board with all those other things, you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. So this is something that he really hates? He really loves James Martin and this stuff, but he really hates the traditional Latin mass. Well, I want to find out what that traditional Latin mass is all about. That's what I want. And then Vigano closes up. When our Lord was entering Jerusalem on a donkey's colt, the Pharisees asked him, Master, rebuke your disciples. The Lord answered him, I say to you that if these are silent, the stones will cry out. Luke 19. Vigano says, For 60 years, the stones of our churches have been crying out. 
from which the holy sacrifice has once has twice been prescribed. The marble of our altars, the columns of the basilica, the soaring vaults of the cathedral cry out as well, because those stones consecrated to the worship of the true God today are abandoned and deserted or profaned by abhorrent rites or transformed into parking lots and supermarkets precisely as a result of that council which we insist on defending. Let us also cry out, we who are living stones of the temple of God, let us cry with faith to the Lord, so that he may give a voice to his disciples who today are mute, and so that the intolerable theft for which the administrators of the Lord's vineyard are responsible may be repaired. And he closes up, the Lord deigns to descend on our altars even when they are erected in cellars or attics. Carla Maria Vigano. Powerful. Even the stones will cry out. I will post this on my site, taylormarshall.com forward slash Vigano. taylormarshall.com forward slash Vigano. You can find other Vigano stuff there as well. And then I will, uh, hopefully by tomorrow, maybe tonight, uh, publish the video of Vigano himself uh, presenting this. Again, I got it on Saturday, and I'm sorry I wasn't able to prepare it over the weekend. Uh, we have to pray. You have to pray the rosary every single day. If you don't pray the rosary, you're not on the team. Archbishop Vigano would agree. All the saints would agree. Popes would agree. Pray the rosary. Pray the rosary every day. Read the Bible every day. Find the traditional Latin Mass. Are you still not there yet? Some of you can't get there because of geography. Don't worry about it. Jesus has a plan for you. Don't worry about it. But if you do have access and you haven't gone to check out the Latin Mass, you need to check it out. And if you are at the Latin Mass again this week, you need to text five friends or call five friends and say, hey, come to traditional Latin Mass with me. I want you to check it out. Come to Latin Mass with me. And then when you're at Latin Mass, you got to find someone new and make them feel welcome. Say, hey, is this your church? You usually come here? Oh, it's your first time. Oh, wow. Do you have any questions? Let me, if it's after Mass, let me, let me, let's get a cup of coffee and get to know them and invite them to come back next week. That's what we have to do. All right. Pray the rosary. Be charitable. Love people. And of course, it's all about Jesus. We got to get to know Jesus. Got to get to know him. Without him, we can't be saved. Without charity, without hope, without faith in him, this whole thing's a joke. Can't get it. Nothing, nothing's going to happen. No heaven. It's just eternal sorrow and condemnation without Jesus. All right, we're going to close in prayer. Before I do, please like the video. Thumbs up. Please share the video. If you're in the live chat, you got to X out the live chat. Share it on Facebook or Twitter. And then you come back in the live chat. And then subscribe. If you've never subscribed to this channel, please subscribe. And also, many of you listen on the audio. I haven't forgot all y'all in the audio world. You can listen to this podcast. It come out on YouTube, but they also come out on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, any podcast app that you use, the Dr. Taylor Marshall podcast. I think it's called Catholic Podcast, Catholic Show. Just put Taylor Marshall in. You'll be able to listen to it on Spotify when you work out or wherever you go. So you can do that. 
Um, also, thanks to everybody who supports on Patreon. You can go to patreon.com forward slash Taylor Marshall, get signed books, merch, all kinds of stuff. I'll be giving away a beautiful rosary by Seraphim Rosaries. These are heirloom quality rosaries. This isn't the one. This is just one of ours. Beautiful, heavy duty, awesome rosaries. I'll be giving away one for the Feast of the Assumption. If you want to be in that drawing, go to patreon.com forward slash Taylor Marshall. All right, let us pray the Ave Maria, oremus. In nomine Patris et Fidei et Spiritus Sancti, Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tu mulieribus et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Santa Maria, Mater Dei, or pronobis peccatoribus, nunc et ora mortis nostre, Amen. Gloria Patri et Filio et Spiritui Sancto, sicuterat in principio et nunc et semper, et in secula seculorum, Amen. Nomine Patris et Fidi et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. All right, everybody. Thanks for the likes. Thanks for the shares. And now y'all get ready to be in a corral with each other. We're going to get corralled up. Don't nip at each other. We're going to all be pushed together. Traditionalists. Love each other. Love one another. Get to know holy priests. You're going to need holy priests. If there's any more political problems, you're going to need to know priests so that you can get confession. You can get extreme unction in case you get in a car wreck or fall off your roof. You're going to need your wife needs to call someone to get you extreme unction. Make sure you know traditional priests. You forge relationships with those priests. You get to know other Catholic people. If you got kids, catechize your kids. And also those kids are going to need to marry someone to continue this whole thing on and have babies and all that. Get to know other good Catholic families. Pray for your children. All right. These are the things we got to do. We got to build a culture of love around Christ. And it has to be built on scripture and tradition. Real Catholicism. All right. Remember, our Lord Jesus Christ is the light of the world and the salt of the earth. So go out there and be salty. God bless and Godspeed.